I'm Elena. Hi, I'm Tyreek. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Elena, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I've got something to plug. A couple weeks ago, I think 20 days ago, according to my streak, I started using Complice to be my like to-do list productivity app. It's been working really well for me, and in the past, I've really had trouble with that. So I, I would recommend it. Is accomplice the word complice, but negated like accomplice? No, I think the accomplice is like the A there is like going along with, but I have to look up the etymology on that. Apparently, complice is a word from Old French. It meant confederate. It's from the Latin complicare or fold together. So I guess that's it's complicated. So what does this website do? Basically, it, uh, you, I don't know, set some like overarching goals for yourself and then you can set daily intentions and, uh, it has like integrated, like you can do Pomodoros in little like social rooms. And I integrated it with my workflowy, which lets you like break down tasks into pieces and it'll like automatically feed you the next bit of the task, which is really great for me because like, I can only do things if I break them down into super tiny steps, like next step is open the file. Step after that is read the file. So I, I've been able to just like set up little like task lists and then be like, okay, what do I do next? Ah, that. Okay. And it, it just does that all for me. So it's very nice. How do you write the lists? So you can just write them up in Complice itself and it's like, well, I mean, I mean how lists. do you personally write the lists? Oh, when- that's a skill I've been having to hone for years. Uh huh. <laughs> but it's, I I want to pull up my workflowy now. I guess I. It's like I. I think Wait, is, is workflowy another website? Yeah, it's. It, I thought you were just being cute. No, workflowy is a. It's a <laughs> like a, a note taking thing, I guess, where you can. It's just nested bullet points. You can just nest them infinitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have one of my intentions for tomorrow is clean my fridge, which I have broken down into the steps: take everything out of the fridge, wipe down the inside of the fridge with bleach wipes. Put the good things back in the fridge. Get rid of the bad things. Yeah, that would be... uh, That's not enough steps for me. Yeah, I might need to break that down more tomorrow. That's as much as I've got before I, like, actually have started trying to do it. I may discover that this is not enough specificity. Yeah, if we have any any listeners who have a similar executive function problems... Yeah. Perhaps they can also be uh, assisted. Uh, Tyreek, did you plug something already? No, I didn't. Go ahead to do that if you, or, or introduce yourself or what have you. I make games. You can buy them, I guess. That's it. I don't really okay. have anything to Wh- plug. Where can we buy them? How can we buy them? Uh, you can buy Catacomb Kids on Steam or itch.io. It is currently in early access. I do dev streams every Monday and Friday. There we go. We're getting into the good stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the end of the good stuff? That's the end. Yeah, that's the end of the good stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> Short but sweet. It was a good. It was a good uh, plug. We we got it out of you. All good things must come to an end. Yeah, I've been doing these. I've been doing dev streams of the game for years and years now. So it still sometimes surprises me that people think the game is dead or that I'm not working on it anymore when they could literally just like find me anywhere on the internet <laughs> and see that I'm streaming twice a week. Anywhere I go on the internet, there you are, streaming. Yes, you cannot (laughs) escape me. (laughs) 
You should go into their kitchen and stream making breakfast. <laughs> I guess you didn't have to convince them that's part of the catacomb kids, though. Right. It's R&D for like recipe research or whatever for whenever I add more recipes to the game. <laughs> yeah, cooking, cooking mini games. Uh, are we ready for some topics? I, I can do topics. I reckon I'm ready. Uh, Tyreek, your topic is what's the youngest age at which you can become the kind of old person you want to be? When I wrote this topic, I had something very specific in mind, like an interaction with an old person that I had had recently. But it's been such a long time that I don't remember what exactly was the interaction. Like you see, like sometimes you see like an old person and you're like, oh, that's the kind of person I want to be when I'm older. Like, oh, like or like uh, like someone who like like carries candy around and like Werther's Originals and just like gives Werther's Originals to everyone or whatever. That seems like an old person thing to do. But I feel like I'm too young to be handing out Werther's Originals to people. <laughs> Have you tried? Oh, I haven't. But like. Do I have to wait until I get older or should, is that something people, is that something old people have been doing since they were young? That's a good question. Like how, how does this work? At what point do you acquire the traits of the person that you will just spend the rest of your oldhood being, if that makes yeah, sense? I've wondered that about like the, the crazy cat lady thing. Like is, is that like a gradual process of accumulating cats or is it just like one year you're like, all right, now is the time for cats. And you just, you get, get a whole bunch of them. And I've also always wondered, like, people who have dentures, how long have they not had any teeth for? I know a few people who acquired dentures, like, relatively young due to teeth problems. They, were, they weren't, like, full denture sets, though. It was, like, it was like you know, like, missing a yeah, tooth I've or three. Yeah, I've seen that. It's, like, like, a quarter of your mouth. You can just kind of, like, pop out that, that quadrant. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like the idea that, like, yeah, you've you've kind of got your 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 teeth are just too far gone. We might as well. It'll be easier if we get rid of them all. <laughs> like people who are going bald, it's like it's, you just shave yeah, it off. At some point. Just get rid of it. Don't even don't even like it, you're just gonna look weird with a crazy crazy big hairline. Just take it all off. But the, but <laughs> with take teeth, them all out. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I do like the idea that um, how like how you can just choose to have a new hairstyle or a new beard style every couple of months. Mm-hmm. Of the doing that with your teeth. Should people be able to have teeth oh, man. styles? Like you could have like different fashionable denture sets that like coordinated with your outfits. Yeah. <laughs> I've always appreciated like um like Japanese oni yeah. teeth that have like the 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 curved like like incisors and, and whatnot and canines. Like the, the kind of tusky look. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked that, but I've never seen never seen anyone try and appropriate that aesthetic. With their actual teeth. It's too so bad. I wonder how, I wonder how that would go. more transhuman augmentation of, of the teeth. I agree 100%. I feel like if that were a thing in Japan, it definitely would have shown up in, in the Yakuza game I played. <laughs> so we can say with confidence, people aren't doing that. I wonder if they're like at least doing like vampire fangs. Like those are like relatively minor I mean, is that a is that a Western thing though? I mean, like, I wonder if anybody's doing it anywhere. Oh, I see. Yeah, I know. Um, like people, like teeth sharpening is a, a, a sort of body mod that people do. They do, do. It with, like their actual teeth, or is it like they get a crown that is pointy? Or no. So I've seen. I've seen. There's so there's a, a tiger tiger man 
Have you seen Tiger Man? Oh, that guy. Yeah. He has like tattoos over 100% of his body that make him look like tiger stripes. And I think he also like did something to his lips to make it look like he has like, you know, the the sort of oh, cleft palate of a, of a cat. Yeah. I want to say I'm pretty sure he had his teeth like filed down so that they're also <laughs> sharpened. And I'm sure other people have done it too. And I think it's something I want to say like maybe like some indigenous tribe somewhere might practice that as as something. I don't want to say 100% I feel like though. If I uh, shaved down my teeth, it, I would like you'd end up accidentally like exposing the root or just getting it like too close to the surface. And then you just have really sensitive teeth. Yeah, no, it sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like the idea of that at all. But it's it's something that I think people have done. So Tiger Man is dead. Oh, no, Tiger Man. Oh, no. R.I.P. Tiger Man. Uh, he was he was stalking cat. That was, that was his legal name. Oh, I thought you were like describing his activities. Yeah, I thought I thought he was like arrested stalking cats or something. I was no no. <laughs> uh, he he held the world record for most permanent transmi- transformations to look like an animal. Does he still hold that record? No, well, no, he's dead. I mean, but like, <laughs> I think like the world record hold like that stays in place. Dead people yeah. can still hold records. Can you have posthumous world records? I mean, like, unless until somebody beats it, right? That's the record. That's the most anybody's ever done. Yeah, like the the fastest person in the world. I don't. I'm just making something up, but I think the fastest person in the world who to like run. Yeah, like the the, the shortest can, time for like the hundred. If nobody dash. ever beats their speed record, then then they die. Then they're still the fastest person to yeah. have ever run. That's fair. But my curiosity is, he's the individual with the most permanent modifications to look like an animal. I want to know what the other most permanent modifications are to look like something else. Yeah. I want to know, like, like, what was his his process of becoming stalking cat tiger man? How do you become the kind of old person you want to be? This guy wanted to be a tiger. He wanted to be an old tiger. What was, like, the, the point at which he was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is the, the kind of person cat I want to be. What was the first step? How do you start being Tiger Man? In interviews, he repeatedly stated he chose to alter his physical appearance in accordance with what he believed was an ancient Wyandot tradition. I don't know how to pronounce that word. However, this was his personal belief, not traditional practice. I was going to say, like, do we know anything about the Wyandot traditions? Uh, We could if we click on the link on Wikipedia. (laughs) Thanks, Wikipedia. Uh, He also told people he grew up in a tribe and had been told to change his form to that of a tiger by a medicine man. Whoa. But I, the phrasing makes me implies to me that that's it's not actually true. Hmm. Maybe it was like a dream vision. Uh, he was in the Navy and was a computer programmer huh. in San Diego. Was he a tiger then as well? Or <laughs> I assume I assume this transformation occurred after after he exited the Navy. But probably not after he exited being a computer programmer. Right. I think he used he was a computer programmer. And that was what funded it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't have a timeline of his transformation. Oh. On Wikipedia. I want to see like progress pictures. Like wait, no. This, the the, the right. two the tattoo work started in 1985 after he left the navy. Like you know those people who like take a photo a day for 10 years or whatever, and then like turn it into like a little stop motion. I want to see that yeah. for Tiger Man. Yes. I want to see the whiskers sprout. Yeah. Wait, did he have like whiskers implanted? He did. Or are they tattooed? They were implants. Oh, jeez. Oh. I wonder oh, if they like gave him the, the whisker sense powers where you can like tell if your head's going to fit in a space. 
<laughs> he gets really claustrophobic if he tries to drink milk out of a bowl. It's- and he went for it. I guess I guess that's I guess that's what you gotta do is you just gotta gotta go for it, you gotta dive in. You have to be a computer programmer to fund your uh <laughs> right. your body mods. <laughs> your body mods. But I guess we like nobody has like a guarantee that they're gonna be an old person, so I guess I guess you should just That's true, you gotta get yeah, it. Yeah, you early. should just like be the old person that you wanna be as early as possible. Be the old person that you wanna see in the world. Before he died, he planned to have implants on the top of his head for mounting tiger-like ears. Oh, oh, wow. He would have just had two pairs of ears? That's what I'm thinking. Like, it seems like it would have made more sense to, like, get his own ears pointed or something. Or, like... Or moved. Or... or (laughs) I I don't know how you'd pipe the sound down. Oh, no. Now I'm imagining two human ears oh, just like on the top of your Incremental head. Incremental progress. First we take them to the top of the head, then we make them tiger shaped. I don't like that. I don't like that image. I feel like maybe if you got like something akin to like cochlear implants and then you could like have the wire run, that would let you have ears in arbitrary locations that like worked as well as those implants work. But like, how do you like move the outer ear while keeping it connected to all the inner ear stuff without making that whole business not work. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a possible thing. So you know how um, on airplanes before they – like sometimes you get airplanes where you, you can plug your headphones into the hole in the seat. Yeah, or the two holes. The, the hole in the armrest. But sometimes it's just they have tiny speakers in there and the headphones that – they give you if you if you choose to watch the in-flight movie are just little tubes that direct the sound into your ears. Oh my! Like the stethoscope. Wait, ones? is that a thing? I've never seen it's, this. It might be. It might be before your time. Yeah, I feel like they had those when I was a kid, and I haven't seen them in years. I forgot that that was ever a thing. Yeah, I think you could just do that with your ears, like stick little plastic tubes <laughs> in the, the the ears, funnel the to- sound into the holes. You run them into the sides of your head where you're your ears used to be so they're like airplane ear horns yes that sounds really unhygienic like are they fresh tubes or like how do you keep do they give you a fresh pair of tubes every time you have to change them out every day Uh, i don't like that i don't like the idea of like sticking things in my ears in general but also especially not just some (laughs) random tube leading from like a gross to yeah ah, yeah such a, that's such a weird concept to me. I've never I've never heard or heard of or seen such a thing. He has a live journal. <laughs> I was gonna be like, if you had tubes running like that, you would hear your the inside of your body. And then I was like, wait, you already can do that. That's already a thing, actually. I just read his entire live journal. Did, how there are eleven oh, there are short? eleven entries, most of them one sentence. Wow. Haiku. Well, what dates does it span? Uh the October 2004 to September 2007. What are the themes? <laughs> uh, the cons he's going to. Oh. The, uh, he's moving to Nevada. I'm mildly disappointed it isn't things like meow or feeling, <laughs> feeling hungry for milk or something like feeling that. Or just like, I, w- I could go for some fish right now. Yeah. Could really go for some lasagna. Today I tried to jump from the floor up to the top of the shelf. But I, I misjudged. My, my foot slipped. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my fault. Thankfully, nobody was watching. Here's one post that says, I start shooting today. I'm not sure the name. 
See, that could be ominous, but I, I feel like it's probably about <laughs> like a video film. <laughs> I, think, I think it is. But on the other hand, the Wikipedia page said he was a gun owner. So <laughs> well, now I don't know what to think. Okay. So let's, let's get back to being old. All right. All right. <laughs> I feel like when I think about like the kind of old person I want to be like, that like I have wanted to be since I was a kid as like those like old women who like everybody thinks that maybe she's a witch. Yeah. But I don't know how, how to cultivate the, the witchy vibe when like, I'm, I'm not a witch though. <laughs> like maybe that, that would be faking. Like I'd be Do a witch poser. you want to just be creepy? No, I don't want to be creepy. I just want to have like the wild hair and like, uh, I don't know, spend a lot of time cooking up in a big pot. I'm not really sure. <laughs> like, I, I just want to have like the, the house aesthetic where they have like a bunch of mysterious herbs hanging everywhere. I'm, I'm really uh, into people who work in tech and have Code Witch in their Twitter bio. Yeah, that's that's like super valid. Code Witch is like a great thing to be. It also sounds to me like it could be some kind of sandwich made of code, though. <laughs> Delicious. That's, that's valid too. You gonna eat that code witch? <laughs> a code witch is something that a code witch eats. <laughs> uh, the other, if you're just talking about aesthetics, um, April and I just watched The Craft. Oh man, I haven't seen that in ages. You've seen it though. You know the yeah, you know the aesthetic. I, was in, like, I mean, high school or something. You just need to look like a '90s goth girl. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, yeah, and, and there's your there's your witch aesthetic. Need like more. Fishnets and eyeliner. Chokers. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, the, the thing I'm mostly lacking in on this regard right now in my life is just enormous flowing skirts. I think that should be my, my step that I take next. Do you not already have a bunch of those? I feel I like I associate you with them. I used to have those. And then, I don't know, I moved across country too many times and I don't, I don't have any now. They all flew out of the back of the car. The last one I had, I wore to uh, to Xander's wedding. And while I was there, I was like putting my corset on top of it and then realized that like, oh, I actually need to scoot this skirt um, just a little bit. And I tried. I like took it on both sides of my hands and pulled it down a little bit and it just tore. Like in both sides, like at the same time, because the, the corset was on like too tight on top of it, I guess. And so that that was the end of that. That was your last one. That was my last one. That was the only one that I still knew where it was, still had in my closet. I've got like a, a few skirts, but none of them are like the big sweeping ones, you know? Have you considered making them out of chain mail? That would be badass. I have not considered it. It sounds like it would take ages. I feel like it wouldn't tear when you tried to adjust it. It wouldn't tear, but I feel like it might also not like swoosh. Or, like, if it did, it would be dangerous. You just gotta twirl faster. I, I live with, like, a four-year-old who would be just at skirt height there. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I feel like I'm already the old person that I want to be. Yeah? What What are your old person traits that you've cultivated? <laughs> um, the guy who made frog fractions. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good one. Uh, has a two-year-old. Yeah, good. I, I don't know. I feel like um, kindly old man is something I've kind of been aspiring to be all my life. Yeah. Do you have like a, a mug of warm beverage and a bathrobe? I feel like... No, bathrobes don't fit me. I'm too fat. 
Oh, no. They're so comfortable. Oh, not for me. I feel like they've got to make big enough bathrooms somewhere in the world. This is like a travesty if like, you can't have a big fluffy robe to swaddle yourself in. I, mean, I, could, I could get one made, I bet. Custom bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. At one point, I got this uh, bath towel online. I don't remember where from, but it turned out to be, be like the best bath towel I'd ever had. It was like perfectly fluffy and absorbent. And I remember I, I emailed the towel creator, distributor, being like, do you make bathrobes of this stuff? And they were like, no, we don't. I was seriously considering just buying a bunch and trying to like turn towels into a bathrobe somehow. I was going to say that you could, you, I'm sure you could maybe like hire someone who's good at like seam string. Yeah. Seams, seams, seamstressing, seamstering, seam, seamstring. Seamsting. I think it's just seaming. To like Frankenstein <laughs> them together. Seaming. That makes, well, that's also like a spell in D&D that makes you seem like other things. That's true. That's not a fairy thing. Well, yeah, I, I, bet, I bet someone would take that job. Hey, I have this fabric. It's a bunch of towels. Please, if I throw money at you, will you turn it into something wearable? Yeah, I, I could probably find somebody who would do that. I know people who sew. I have. I feel like I have an issue. There's like a sort of discrepancy between the kind of old person I want to be and the kind of like literal person that I am, which is that I feel like I want to be like, a dapper old person mm. who like dresses just very sharply and stylishly. Yeah. But me right now, the person that I am hates suits and the idea of fashion norms and that sort of thing, especially upper class fashion norms. But like old people who dress well just look super cool to me. They do. They do look really cool. But I feel like I'm not ready yet. You know, I feel like I'm not to the point so you've internalized the fashion norms that you claim to hate. Uh, yeah, I guess I have. I guess I have. Or if, if, if I could like somehow appropriate the parts that I like while still subverting the idea that, that I, I'm... I that that's I'm, doable. That I'm participating in the fashion hierarchy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to posit that what you want is to look good on your own terms without people... Without worrying about people judging you. Yeah. But my terms are also, I think... Just like really sharp, stylish stuff that other people would also probably like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit whether you like this, but you do. Right. Yes, exactly. I feel like there, there might be stuff that's like not, you know, full on suits or something that you could, you could add that accessory or that, you know, type of pants or whatever to your wardrobe. Yeah, I guess it could be like a kind of sort of similar to getting a bunch of tattoos to become a tiger over your body. It could be like an incremental thing where like maybe I don't currently go the full full dapper. Right. I could just like go like half dapper and then just kind of gently. Yeah, slow, uh, slowly ease ramp into up it. the dapper over the years. Yeah. So like I'll start out with just like some nice pants or something. Right. And then build your way up to like waistcoats and ascots or whatever it is. By you the want. time I'm an old, I'll have an entire wardrobe just full of like ex incredibly stylish things. Yeah. But that's the other thing is fashion, fashion trends like change so quick. So by the time I'm old, maybe Dapper will have changed. <laughs> I mean, I feel <laughs> like what's it because it changed. Oh, I just I feel like Dapper is pretty classic. Like, like, I don't know. I'm imagining like if Dapper changes I feel like you could probably just say like I my my personal idea of dapper the dapper that lives in my heart is like I don't know 
whatever you like, 1950s, 1890s, I don't something in there, right? Like Yeah, just yeah, around there. <laughs> I was like or like like the like the twenties or something, like with jazz clubs everywhere and that sort of thing. I feel like a pretty safe way to do it is to say, like, well, this outfit is a hundred years old and I think it still looks good. It's probably still gonna look good a hundred years from now, too. Yeah. Mm. What if I just went back even further? Or like the older I get, the further back in time Dapper becomes. Oh, man. So like right now, Dapper is like the 1920s or something. But then like in 20 years, it'll be like. Go back to like the Romance period, Baroque, Renaissance. Yeah, eventually I'll be wearing like frilly, those giant frilly collars and like tights and stuff. Yeah. And that'll be, that'll yeah. be the new definition of Dapper. wigs and the heels. Yeah. Cod pieces. <laughs> I'll just be wearing full plate armor. <laughs> To formal functions. Yeah, this is my parade armor. I feel like you just dress up as Guybrush Threepwood and call it a day. Selling these fine leather <laughs> jackets. <laughs> so, if anybody wants to read about Stalking Cat's transformation, his profile on wikifur.com is pretty detailed. Sounds like the place for it. But I think it's time for another topic. All right. What I agree. is our next topic? Well, Andy, your topic is reborrowings. Yeah, okay. So I ran into this this post oh, I think like a, a few months ago maybe on on reborrowings, like this linguistic phenomenon where the, there's a word in one language, it gets borrowed into another language and like the meaning shifts a little bit at, at when that transfer happens. And then it gets borrowed back into the original language with again like a little bit of meaning shift and like maybe some pronunciation shift. So now, like, there's the language has a word that originally came from that language, but is maybe pronounced differently, maybe means something different. The article had, like, a bunch of examples of stuff like this, where, like, a word, like, starts, like, in the language meaning one thing, and then it goes away and comes back and means something else. Like, mannequin started out in Dutch, meaning a, a little man, and then it went to French, where it was, like, fashion model, and then it went back to Dutch, where it, meaning, like, a mannequin, you know, like it means now in English. Huh. The one thing in this article that was like the standout for me was the, the etymology of the word Slav. So it starts out in like Proto-Slavic and then it goes into to Greek and Latin and Italian. And then it goes back into the Slavic languages. But like the way that that, that happens is... The Italian word ciao, is, like, came from Slav. Slav meaning, like, a Slavic person? Yeah, Slav meaning, like, a Slavic person. And the, the missing link there is that ciao is short for a longer phrase, ciao vostro, I can't pronounce Italian, which means, like, I'm your slave. Whoa. Yeah, like, Slav was slave. And, like, the reason that that connection was there is because apparently the freaking Romans just enslaved a ton of Slavs. It became such a common thing that the word for the Slavic people became this word for slave, which then became like a polite thing to say to somebody. Like, I, I'm at your service sort of thing, except it was, I'm your slave. And then that got shortened into hello. And that got borrowed back into like Czech and other Slavic languages. It's just, you know, I, I, why, why to say hello? That's incredible. Yeah. Like, another thing that was interesting here is that, like, I had always assumed that the word Slav was, like, 
from the same thing as like Slava, which it, it means like fame or honor, glory. And apparently that proto-Slavic root is just totally different from the one that means slave and ultimately hello, which is just like, that blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. This is like how nature keeps evolving crabs. Yeah, cartonization <laughs> is weird. Did you know that th this happens with trees too? Trees turn into crabs? <laughs> <laughs> no, nature keeps evolving trees. Oh. Oh. Trees aren't the same as trees? No, they're not. There's like huh. three or four different types of thing that are trees that happen different ways. There's like, the, the, what is it? The gymnosperms, the angiosperms, and there's some other thing. But like pine trees are a, a totally different thing from like deciduous trees. And those things are more similar to each other than palm trees are to either of them. Palm trees are like a totally fake tree. I've always known palm trees weren't real trees. They're not. They're not. Palm trees are just weird grass. Yeah, I don't like them. They're just tall, weird grass. But it like it turns out that it's just a very winning strategy in the plant kingdom to just get tall. Just be tall. Well, that's where the sun is. You got to get close to the sun. Exactly. That makes sense. Lots of different plants were like, all right, how do I be tall? And they figured out, well, I got I to gotta do wood. We got to make a wood thing here. And so, like, they figured out how to do wood. And some of them did it in different ways. So they, they, they reinvent wood. Yeah. Palm trees, way that oh, it, wow. wood is, is just totally different from how, like, oak trees wood is. Huh. I never realized that. Palm tree wood is this pseudo wood. Well, but like, so you said pine trees and, and deciduous trees are like different. They Their wood is very wood-like, though, yeah. in terms of like relative to one another. Yeah, I think that those ones like share some ancestor that figured out wood and then d diverged uh, after that point. They do like seeds and fruits and leaves very differently. But the, the wood part they have kind of in common. That reminds me, aren't U.S. cactuses and... I guess old world cactuses or whatever, aren't they like also similarly like completely different things that just Whoa. evolved very to become very similar? I, I don't know much about cactuses. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think I read somewhere that, that it's kind of a similar sort of thing of, of just like convergent evolution where these things evolved to to exist in hot, dry climates. And so they came to a lot of the same conclusions as one another. Like have a thick, waxy skin, be real juicy. Yeah, but like one one of them is a, one of one of them is considered an actual cactus, and another one, like the other one, is not. Huh? Who has the real cactuses? I don't know. Uh, according to this, an example is English pocket monster. It was uh, borrowed by Japanese as Poketu Monsuta, <laughs> which became Pokemon. Yeah. Which got borrowed back by English to mean Pokemon. Yep, <laughs> it means Pokemon. Poketo monster. And yeah, like another example I given here is the orchestra going into Japanese becoming orchestra, which then they, they shortened it, the orchestra part to oke because two syllables makes more sense. And so karaoke means empty orchestra. And then it goes back oh, into wow. English. It becomes karaoke because karaoke is not a, a thing that English people say. Another like thing is like I was talking with uh, a friend of mine about this sort of interesting like etymology phenomenon where like you start out with one thing in the proto language and it ends up like distributing itself across lots of stuff. And they like went and researched this like 
etymological, I don't know, like family tree that like ends up connecting like a bunch of words that like w- would not like immediately seem connected in including like, so they were like wondering, okay, like what is the Russian word for slave for, when we were talking about that Slav thing? So like the Russian word for slave is Rab. And they're like, okay, okay so what does that come from? And they like went back and uh, it come, there's like this Proto-Indo-European thing. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Herb or something, which it just was a verb that meant like to change allegiance, status, or ownership. And that got borrowed into Germanic languages to just talk about inheritance and became the German word Erbe. Erbe? I don't speak German. And then along another path, it, w- it went into Proto-European a little bit later to become orphan, which also meant like servant, slave, or worker. So in, in Greek, it became like just an orphan. And that went into Latin and went into English to mean orphan. And so orphan comes from this herb thing. And then it also went into Proto-Germanic again at a different point and became arbide, which means to, to work or work. And then that went into Japanese and means part-time job there. <laughs> and then there's like this whole other branch that went into the Slavic languages to mean slave, but also to mean work, which then went on to mean robot. And so like all of these words are like cognate to each other. And you'd never expect that like robot is cognate to part-time job is cognate to orphan, but they're all related. That's really neat. This, um, this idea of, of reborrowing and stuff makes me wonder what other um, non-linguistic things have undergone similar changes like cultural appropriations and stuff where things are brought into another culture and then brought back into the original culture as as a transformed sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I bet that happens with like food. Oh, I bet so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this has possibly happened with sushi. I'm trying to remember. The Japanese people have like their cuisine version of sushi. And then this got brought like into America where we made like... I don't know, the California roll and like all of those deep fried rolls and stuff, right? Philadelphia roll. And then some of those like became popular in Japan again. Or like the yeah. thing where where Panda Express just ex- expanded to China for the first time, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I heard about that. And it's just like, whoa, I wonder what Panda Express is like for Chinese people in China. Right. It probably just only caters to American tourists. I'm so curious. Like when they go there, like, is there like, this is just American food or it like, do they see it as some sort of fusion? What is that? Does Pizza Hut exist in Italy? Oh man. (laughs) With a lot of Italian food, right? Like, I think this is actually just like true of a lot of American, whatever cuisine there is like, we have a lot of food that was taken from other cultures, like via the immigrants from that culture. And then they had to make it with whatever ingredients they could get in America. Right. And like one of the things that this involved is like a lot more beef than like other places have. Hmm. And so I forget exactly like which Italian dishes it was, but I think like spaghetti with meatballs or something like was not that big of a thing in Italy, but in America you could have a meatball. Right. Yeah. In the original Italian, spaghetti bolognese was bologna and mayonnaise. Oh, no. 
But yeah, like this also happened with Korean food, like the Korean meat barbecue thing became a lot bigger in America than it was originally in Korea, I think. And it also happened with Irish food. I was going to say that. Yeah. Like, cause they didn't have potatoes, right? <laughs> and not for a long time. They, they got potatoes when the Colombian exchange happened. Yeah. 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 At some point in there. And then they were like, potatoes are great. And then they had problems with that situation. But also like uh, corned beef, like corned beef with cabbage is like the thing in America that you eat on St. Patty's Day, right? It's like considered this very Irish food. But apparently it was totally unheard of in Ireland. Nobody ate corned beef and cabbage. They were like, what are you talking about? But now they, they do make it because so many American tourists went there and were like, do you have corned beef and cabbage? And they're like, I guess we gotta. <laughs> I, I imagine this sort of thing also happens with music a lot. Ooh. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Because music seems to have like a way about it where it's just extremely culturally metamorphable. You know what I'm you know what I'm trying to say? Like it can be adopted and adapted very easily between cultures. Yeah, like that transmission there is very easy. Yeah. The friction is low. Uh, There's so it can pass back and forth very easily. Mm -hmm. There's this one um, person on YouTube who's covers I like to listen to because she does anime songs where like in the anime it's like written in German because like that's supposed to be like this kind of like mystical occult sounding language right like nobody in Japan speaks German so it just like sounds like ooh. and she is uh, like a fluent native German speaker and is like oh my god their accents are horrendous (laughs) and so she'll do covers where she sings the songs very beautifully in fluent German instead of like in I I'm just saying this because it sounds cool German and it's it's pretty neat to hear the difference like some of the songs you're like oh this sounds so much better and then other ones you're like I do not recognize this what is this it was better when they didn't know what they were singing well yeah like <laughs> they're so like the the two that are coming to my mind most it are like uh there's Ragio's theme from Kill a Kill uh Blumenkrantz is like this really awesome, like kind of, I don't know, power anthem. And it sounds pretty good in the Jap- like a Japanese version, but Paper Blossom's version is just way better. But one, like the witch theme from uh, Madoka Magica in the anime, it like sounds like appropriately like creepy, witchy, not really making sense otherworldliness. And then when she sings it in German, you're just like, this is just a person singing in German. that also might just be like production tricks or yeah possibly that reminds me there's a band i i like a japanese band called hawaiian six Uh uh-huh and i've like kind of like like they're like kind of like a i guess rock sort of band but um all their songs are in english but they just have very heavy accents and i've wanted to like do a cover of one of their songs for the longest time but a lot of the lyrics and like rhymes and rhythms just don't make sense or work without the accent uh-huh. yeah and like i don't i don't it's not like i don't want to like put it on and just like oh i'm gonna you know, feel like i'm mocking or something like that or like it would be weird but like it's it's really it's really interesting like the way that sort of thing works where it's like oh they this is the way that this thing was crafted and the the sort of i don't want to say discord between between the the cultures and languages involved 
is part of the thing itself and has become kind of inextricable from it, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you get that with like English language poetry that is too old. Mm-hmm. Even something like, you know, Itsy Bitsy Spider rhymes rain with again. Is that supposed to rhyme? I think it did once upon a time. That never even occurred to me. I think a bunch of things like that where like when the poem was written, the, the rhyme worked and now it, it doesn't. But like if you say it in the dialect of the time, it sounds a lot better. It, it like rhymes and scans better. So there, I've been slowly making my way through a, a, another podcast called the History of English Podcast, uh, which is really, I, I enjoy it a lot. And he basically goes through the entire history of English from the beginning. That's awesome. And he'll often, the host will often like, like uh, read excerpts of ancient, like these really old texts of like early pre, pre-English and early, early English and stuff like that in the way that they would have been pronounced oh, then. that's awesome. And it's and he'll do that like alongside like a modern translation of it. So he'll like say like and they went to out to they failed because you know silent vowels weren't a thing. Uh-huh. So like all the all the words that end in e you pronounce the e and stuff like that. Latin and it sounds super weird. And then he a lot of the old old texts and stuff were like epic poems and stuff. So it's like I don't understand what you're saying, but I can tell it rhymes. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> he'll do like the version where he says the exact same thing with the exact same words essentially but without like speaking with a modern sort of incantation yeah it's it's so weird like because because you'll be able to like hear oh that used to rhyme and now it doesn't anymore or like the like the cadence of this is completely changed because you're like missing a lot of beats all of a sudden even though i understand what you're saying you know oh because yeah we don't have those sounds now we we just silenced all of those vowels right exactly if you silence all the vowels then you just cut out so many so many syllables and whatever oh man are we ready for another topic yeah sure i'm done uh so my topic is i made pork katsu for dinner and winston pronounced it pork costume delightful and i'm and i'm pretty sure that's it that's the peak dad experience (laughs) and it's all downhill from here (laughs) how are you like emotionally preparing yourself for that fact like that that nothing is going to top that oh i'm just holding on to the one moment (laughs) and i i'm just gonna cling to it for dear life while the ground (laughs) falls away from me (laughs) did you get like a recording or any like a video anything no no i'm also trying to get a video of him where he sits where his feet are underneath a cat where the uh-huh. cat's standing, but his feet are underneath the cat. <laughs> and he says, feet in cat. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wish you the best of luck in recording that. Because posterity needs to have that. That does sound pretty good. I'd say that sounds, honestly, to me, that sounds a little better than the pork costume. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, the me cooking dinner also was uh, part of it. I see, I see. But yes, I, I think that is a cuter moment. Well, now, I mean... Halloween's coming up. You gotta, you gotta dress him like, like a little pork now, right? <laughs> like a, like the tiny ham he is. <laughs> yeah. Give him, give him the pork costume. Yeah. That's, that's what, he, that's what he was asking for. Right. This whole time, <laughs> he, he was like, "I want a pork costume," and you put meat in front of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any advice for how to deal with uh, when you know your your best work is behind you? Oh man. I should be the one to talk about this because I made Frog Fractions eight years ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
if, if my best work is behind me, that's kind of depressing because I haven't done anything notable. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't know. Just feel feel proud of yourself, I guess. Be like, yeah, I, I did good. I have done the, the, the cool thing and now I never need to do a cool thing again. I'm still proud of the uh, t- typo smiley I accidentally made like 10 years ago or something mm-hmm. when I went to do colon parentheses, but instead I did colon underscore and <laughs> it gave a completely different emotive oh, response man, yeah. than I had intended, but I still use that to this day <laughs> and I feel like it's an invention of mine that I will hold dearly. Yeah. Uh, just this expression of entirely sideways mouth that has fallen off your face. That's, uh, that's a good achievement. I'm trying to make that expression and I can't. I can't do it either. I, I'm, you can't do it unless you're a Sonic character, I guess. I don't know. The, the mouth kind of unhinges and, and falls off like like right. lost a nail. Yeah, I think my most recent crowning moment was uh, like in, in a similar vein to the pork costume thing. My friend's four-year-old that I live with, I got her uh, the owl and the pussycat back when she was like a tiny infant because it's one of my favorite poems. Mm-hmm. And I like remembered being into it when I was a kid, and I like know I know it as a song also, and I would like sing it to her when she was tiny. And this book like languished on the shelf for ages. I had honestly forgotten it was even there. And then like the other day, she sat there like quietly reading it aloud to herself, and like you know getting like the the kind of po- poetic feel going. And I was just like, it it's all been for this moment. I bought that and. It just sat there being Chekhov's book for years. And now, <laughs> now it's here. It's happening. Well, this is like how um, the potty training strategy that apparently doesn't work is you buy a potty for your kid and just put it somewhere in the house and hope they start using it. <laughs> how, how would they know to? How would they figure out what it's for? They could watch the parents and, and be like, I want to do that. Like the, you don't use the toy potty. You say you buy a potty and then you put it somewhere in the house in a way that makes me think you're hiding like it. An Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. Like if you find this, it'll be like a throne, but you can poop in it. <laughs> it'll be a reward. Yeah. S- send your kids on a toilet hunt, a potty hunt. Easter toilet hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Before we move on, I want to ask if either of you remember the word. Oh, wait, I just remembered the word. Afikomen. I've never heard oh, that word. Oh, okay. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know that one. I guess asking you guys wouldn't have helped. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, similar to the Easter egg hunt. It's a Jewish tradition where like you hide a piece of matzah on Passover and the kids have to find it. And I was like trying to be like Afikomen potty and I couldn't remember. How big is matzah? How big is matzah? <laughs> Not that big. It's like a cracker. It seems like a hard thing to find if it's if you're just like putting it somewhere random. Are there clues involved? I don't know. I don't know how long it typically takes people to find the Afikomen or like how hard people usually hide it. Like maybe they just put it under the table. I don't know. This takes all year to find. <laughs> Next Passover, you'll find the Afikomen. Yeah. You just keep hiding them and... Someday somebody's going to find them, like especially since you like you run out of hiding places. <laughs> the whole house is just made out of matzah now. <laughs> Can you run out of hiding places? I feel like there's always somewhere to hide something. 
it's like a haystack eventually, right? Like we now have matzah all over the house, but which one is the afikoman? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is a write-in. Stephen asks, textual dialects, range of timbre and tools available in punctuation, capitalization, emphasis, and emojis. Apparently, periods come off as assertive slash rude to younger folks. Oh, yeah. This in- internet dialect is a big thing. Brief plug for Gretchen McCullough's Because Internet, which is a, a book that like specifically goes into this stuff. Yeah, uh, some friends of mine and I recently had like this big discussion about this this one particular emoji that's uh, I think it's slight smile is the name of the oh yeah yeah and well, like one of my friends was like okay hang on so like in my work Slack the other day you know we had some new coworker and I was just like you know, like, welcome. And then I put the smiley face and somebody like PM'd me being like, that was really rude. And he was like, I literally just said, welcome, smile. What, what did I do wrong? And my friends were like, oh, you can't, you can't use that smile. And he's like, it's a smile. What's the problem? The the slight smile is the issue? Yeah. Because see, I have this, I have this problem. I have this issue with several chat clients where mm-hmm. I will type colon parentheses as I failed to so many years ago, but as I intend to currently, I will type colon parentheses and enter and it will turn it into an open mouth smile, which infuriates me to no end. And so I will like have to go in and manually change it to slight smile so that the mouth is no longer (laughs) open because I don't want to convey always that level of excitement about yes. any given thing, you know, if I'm if 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 the text version of an emoticon doesn't have an open mouth, then the like graphic version shouldn't either. This is something I feel very strongly about. No, yeah, I, so I'm I, with I, you. I just did a search image search for slight smile, uh-huh. and there's a whole bunch. There's like a field of just these are just smiley faces. This is just what a smiley face looks like. Yeah, slight slight smile is like the classic smiley face. And except then there's one where there's there's this smirking douchebag. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like one of the problems with emoji in general is that like the standardization is really bad. And so like different platforms will have slightly different images that convey very different emotions when people look at them. And if you have a different emoji font than the person that you're you're communicating with, you can be totally miscommunicating emotions. But then there's also dialectical stuff like this slight smile problem that my friend ran into where a bunch of people, especially like younger people, are likely to read it as this passive aggressive thing. Like you only use it when you're like, all right, but like you should know that I'm angry about this. It's like a, almost like a sarcastic thing. I thought I thought upside down smiley was sarcastic. That's no, what I use that one for. Upside down smiley is like a, a, like a we're in this together sort of thing. It's like this sucks, but like we all know it sucks. But like right set up smiley is like this sucks, and you don't know it sucks, but I know it sucks, and I am resentful of you for like not thinking that it sucks and expecting me to like it or something. Okay, so now now I'm thinking of something completely different, which is that I wonder. So this is this is te- textual dialects, and I'm wondering what the borders of these dialects are. Are they generational? Are they like, is there any kind of geography involved at all? 
I'm so curious. I, I think there is some sort of generational effect. I think it also divides by medium. So like the dialect right. you would use in like SMS texting versus emails versus comments on an, an internet forum versus like a, an instant messaging chat are going to be different. Right. Yeah, I guess because each of those each of those mediums would be considered to be like its own sort of territory, right? In in within which the dialect can evolve and shift. Yeah, and like it's also tr- like this happens like on different websites. Like Tumblr has a different dialect than Twitter, has a different dialect than Reddit, has a different dialect than I don't know, 4chan or whatever, right? Like yeah, each of these websites develops its own culture and lingo and ex- like norms for like how you're going to talk to each other. And what different words mean. The big chat client that everybody I know uses lately is Discord. And I I feel like different Discord servers develop their own lingo, especially because they they let you put in custom emoji, right? Mm, right. Yeah. And so people are using all of these emoji that are just very specific to that server. And I a friend of mine like will occasionally like ask me, like, can you add this one specific emoji? To the server that we're both on, like that you run, because like I just had this experience, like I was talking in one of these channels and I wanted to, you know, express this concept. I was like walking around my house and I discovered that in, in the kitchen, I can't say the word okay. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work there. And so like, could you like add this, this one emoji so that I can use it on this server where, because I'm used to using it everywhere else that I talk. And so now there's like all these weird restrictions on like people's expressive vocabulary. Like, so am I right that one of the things that you pay for when you pay for Discord is the ability to use emojis from any server anywhere? Yeah, yes. yeah, that's the thing. There's like two tiers of paying for Discord, and the basic one gets you that, and then the one above that gets you some like extra perks, like you can make your server fancier. But right, the the basic level is like give me all of my emoji everywhere. I think it also lets you use animated emoji. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like for me like I like I like to support software that brings value to my life and that I actually use. So like I don't feel like I'm I don't know that like Discord is like extorting me here. Like they they've found a, a valuable feature to gatekeep here. But like I also like it's totally worth what 5 bucks or whatever a month to me to be able to have my full vocabulary everywhere I go. Right. Can you hear my cats disagreeing in the background? <laughs> they they want to leave the vocabulary behind. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> I, I cannot hear the cats. Okay. Well, they're not having a fun time. Aww. I feel like I should go deal with them momentarily. You go ahead. We'll, we'll hold down the fort. I'll be right back. So, yeah, one of the things that I actually really enjoy doing on discord these days, like is somebody will express a a desire or a a need, like a linguistic lacuna for some emoji. They're like, Oh, I wish I could react with this concept, but there's no emoji that expresses this concept. And then I'll be like, I'm going to create a custom emoji for that. And I'll go out and I'll find the, the perfect vector art or create the perfect vector art. Like a bunch of them I'll take to emoji and like mash them up. Like put the sparkles on top of the brain. And how how important is it that it be an emoji as opposed to just an image that you paste? It's important that it be an emoji because 
the thing people want to use it for is reacts. They want to put a react on somebody else's comment. Right. The interface means that that has to be uploaded as an emoji onto that server or you can't react with it. Can you also pay Discord for the ability to magnify emojis? <laughs> what you'd wish, right? I don't think so. I think you just have to... I think on if your- you just post a single emoji, it'll post at the largest size it can yeah that that is true if you post like if you posted with no other with no other text yeah i think if you post with just emoji and no text it might also still do that okay yeah if you if you want to see the emoji at maximum size that's how you do it or i guess any of the ones that are that are not custom the ones that are like the built-in twemoji you can uh open links to those if you right click them or I don't know, long yeah. press on the phone, probably. You can open them in browser and they're SVGs, so you can get them as big as you want. The reason I ask is because earlier in the chat, you applied the emojis that says valid oh, to yeah. something that Tyreek said. And I, you know, I've got pretty good vision. Uh-huh. And it's just a red rectangle <laughs> to me. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that was either. I had to hover over it to know what it said. <laughs> I feel like I can't read it on my computer screen, but on my phone I can. Like the pixels on my phone are smaller or something. It's weird. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's supposed to be like a red stamp that's like valid. But yeah, it's, yeah you're right that like on the, the computer screen, it kind of just looks like a red blob. I can kind of make out what is V and maybe maybe that's an A. I can't see anything of it. My yeah. eyesight is apparently not as good as my hearing. <laughs> <laughs> With On the topic of the textual dialects thing, I wanted yeah. to take this opportunity to complain about autocorrect uh-huh. because <laughs> I am a very meticulous typer and I will frequently use incorrect spellings and grammar and lowercase intentionally. Yeah. And so to have autocorrect be trying to like, like I have to correct autocorrect often to like make it wrong the way I want it to be to get the emotive like sense across that I'm trying to convey. Right. Like it's like, did you mean to express this in standard professional English? And you're like, no, I'm trying to talk in my local dialect where you put five O's in this for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this, this this problem could be solved by letting autocorrect code switch. That would be great. Oh, that would be fascinating. I, I want autocorrect to learn that in this context, I speak like this. And in this other context, I speak like that. That would be great. Or would it just be like a drop down menu that you could select whenever you're typing? That's like, okay, what are you, who are you talking to? Oh, yes, but also it should learn the contact, learn yeah. which one to automatically switch to. I feel mm. like, you know, machine learning or whatever is good enough at this point that it can notice like, okay, I am in, you know, a, a chat client talking to my best friend versus I am like in an email window talking to my boss, right? And right. autocorrect as appropriate. Man, I, speaking of autocorrect, everybody talks about like the problem where it will autocorrect expletives. And you'll be like, no, I was trying to swear. It is important to me to be able to express how strongly I feel about this. And I actually had the experience at one point of it doing the opposite. I was trying to say the word ducking. And (laughs) autocorrect was like, did you mean fucking? I was like, no, no, I was just talking about like trying to bring your head below something. What? (laughs) 
Yeah, I, well, I think of the, the the swear thing. Hang on, my printer just reset itself. <laughs> Haunted. Uh, I think the swear thing is an iPhone thing that where, where um, Apple's autocorrect refuses to learn swear words. Hmm. Oh man, this is something actually that I I totally just like made a mental sidestep here. But I there's a the thing that I'm really upset about recently that's tangentially related to this, which is like okay, so. On YouTube, they have the the automatic captioning, right? Apparently, recently, the automatic captioning has started censoring swears. Huh. And that sucks. Like, can I turn that off? There are, like, people I watch where that's actually, like, an important part of the, the stuff they're saying is, like, it's, like, you know, part of the, the persona or, like, the the emotion that they're expressing is that they're swearing. I don't need you to censor that for me. I don't want that. In what way does it censor? Does it censor by omitting the word or does it censor by like using the first and last letter only and then putting stars in the middle or does it just not, does it just like replace it wholesale with asterisks or whatever? I think it was asterisks. I don't remember precisely, but uh, it was, I remember just being like, what? No, (laughs) when I saw it. Right. I mean, it could be fun if it replaced it with like, uh, dollar sign, parent, uh, uh, you know, uh, percentage sign. <laughs> like little rack and fracks. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. That's 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 a really kind of yeah. not cool thing to do. It's especially frustrating because they're getting rid of uh, community captions, which is like an evil move. Right. Yep. And so pissed off about that. And so like now people are going to have to pay th- for third party captions or painstakingly handwrite their own captions if they want to have the swears there. Yeah. So what if they replace the word shit with a picture of shit? <laughs> the, the shit emoji. Yeah. There well, you but go. I, don't, I don't, does that, does that convey all the nuance of, of the, uh, of the different conjugations of shit? Cause there's shit. And then there's also shitty, shittily, uh, shitting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Also, there's no fucking emoji. We need one of those. <laughs> yeah. Actually. So on the topic of fucking emoji, the eggplant emoji is like mm. often used as a, a a phallic symbol, and I I ran across something recently which blew my mind. If the eggplant emoji were to ejaculate, would it do that from the 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 stem end or the 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 fruit end? <laughs> like what what which one do you think? I would imagine the the not stem end. Okay. Because the stem is in the way. <laughs> Does the stem, like, is that have, like, a green drapery? Yeah, it's the little green leafy bit. I read that as pubic hair. Yeah, okay. So, you, you, you two are both with me on this. <laughs> but when I, I posed this question to some other people, a bunch of them were like, no, obviously the green end is, like, the, the glands there. Like, look at the shape of it. Like, that's clearly how that works. And the thing that, that spurred this was that there is an eggplant emoji squeeze bottle. I saw a depiction of mayonnaise being squeezed out of, and the, it squeezes out of the stem end. And I was like, this is backwards. But past all the leaves? Yeah, like it, it came out the tip of the stem o- o- over the leaves. And I, this is not, I don't know, like... If if you were going to insert an eggplant into something, that'd you be way harder to wash, <laughs> right? Like you wouldn't put the stem in something. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I so I, I ran a, a Twitter poll on this. I I pulled a bunch of Discord servers. I got a very even split, and like both sides were shocked that the other side interpreted the eggplant emoji as they did. Everybody's yeah. like, "Of course, it's this way. How could what? Who? Ever, you really?" And people came up with all sorts of different explanations for like why the eggplant emoji is obviously oriented one way or the other. Like it was, it was fascinating. They're like, well, like you use it in conjunction with the droplets emoji, and the droplets emoji fits it, uh, with it like this, or like I was, it was all sorts of things. Huh. Uh, are you ready for another topic? Sure. Yep. Elena, uh, your topic is the tone deafness test. All right. Yeah. Um, friend of mine linked this recently earlier today. It looked really cool. All my friends are talking about how tone deaf they are or are not. And what percentile of tone deaf they've fallen into and like how difficult it was to distinguish uh, one 32nd of a tone from another one. And I was like, this sounds great. I'm going to take this. And then I couldn't get the sound to work on my computer. So I couldn't take it. I don't know why the sound wouldn't come out of the website, but it wouldn't. But you took it, right? I took it. I also took the test. What was it like? Tell me. The first test was uh, they played three notes and one of them was quieter than the others. Hmm. And you were supposed to identify the quiet note. And then they played um, they did they played pairs of notes mm-hmm. and you were supposed to say which one was whether it, the, it was ascending or descending. Uh, and at first they they played like wide intervals and then they played a series of notes with very small intervals, like as low as a sixty fourth of a semitone. Wow, that's tiny. Which is very hard to discern, but yeah. because I'm a musical badass, I got them all right. Wow. <laughs> You're a tone god. I'm tone hearing is what they call me in the uh, the disability uh, <laughs> space. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't do as perfect as you, but I still did pretty okay. Wait, so do you have a bunch of tone deaf friends as it turns out? Apparently, yeah. I had some friends who were like, I don't know, like 15th percentile or something. I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. And like I had another one who was like, I don't know, like 98th percentile. So my my friends run the gamut here. It always surprises me. And this is, I'm sure this is just like that, you know, my family is pretty musical. It always surprises me to meet people who just can't sing at all. It's always just, just really, really weird. Yeah, no, I I constantly like forget this is a thing. Like I, this year I haven't been in a choir, but like for the past four or five years, I have been in a choir. And occasionally people will be like, hey, like, I'm thinking about joining the choir. Like, is it a really, like, high-level choir or is it, like, could a, a newbie join and that would be okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're totally welcoming to newbies. Come in. Like, all you really need to be able to do is match match a pitch. And they're like, uh, that sounds really hard. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do you mean? And then they, they just can't do it. They hear a pitch and they just, is that higher or lower than what I'm singing? Who knows? And I'm like, what? Yeah, that's the thing that really confuses me. Like, the fact that people can't sing, like, don't have good tone or whatever, that doesn't surprise me. That That's fine. That's, right. that's you know, that that's whatever. But the fact that people don't know whether they're off or not, or, like, which direction they're off in, or how by how much, I, I've never been able to understand that, because that seems like such a fundamentally simple thing to be able to do is you'd listen to a thing and then you make a noise and then you're like, how close was the noise I made to the thing? Right. And then if it's not the right one, you you sing 
closer until you, you're right. seeing the right one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it, it totally boggles my mind. It's like if like a, a ton of the world was just naturally colorblind and I was like going around being like, oh, yeah, you know, like in order to join my painting group, all you have to do is be able to distinguish red and green. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> but like, I don't know, I have I have a colorblind friend who like will occasionally just be like, guys, what what are you talking about? Or like, he'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, it was the, the yellow one. And we're like, that that was red. And. Or is this the, is this the friend who saw Pinkie Pie as beige? Yeah, gray pie. Oh. <laughs> we like heard about his experience of, of My Little Pony. Where we were like, that sounds tragic. Like uh, a friend of mine actually like took the I think, Deuteronopic filter and put it over like an episode of My Little Pony. And we were watching this and we were just like. This is like just so much more depressing and less cheerful. Does this look like bright, happy colors to you? And he was like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> now I'm like imagining like, what if somebody were like tone deaf in a way that they, they couldn't tell that like a minor third is sad. Oh, interesting. They couldn't distinguish it from yeah. a major third. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like if you can't, match a pitch probably you can't tell the difference between a major and a minor third yeah that's what i'm wondering like i i have i have known people who like they can tell the pitch is wrong but they can't tell how which is crazy to me right you know they know you know it doesn't match but they don't know they don't know that it's which way it's it's yeah they don't have a, a sense of like which direction or how much like they don't know how to fix it they're just like okay this isn't the right note but i don't know how it relates to the other note like, the, the same person also, like, is completely boggled by the idea that, like, an octave is the same note. Oh, like, wow. It just sound, they're like, those are different notes. And I'm like, what do you... They're, it, okay, yeah, like, they're different notes because they're an octave apart, but they're the same note. And, uh, right. <laughs> they're like, nah, oh, it's wow. just, they're just different notes. What do you mean? So, like, if you if you played, like, an octave and then you played, like a chord of like you play like a chord of an octave and then a chord of a seventh would they be able to like tell i don't know i should try that something is something is amiss i want to i want i really want to like hone down on this and like <laughs> yeah. figure out like where where exactly the, the discrepancy is occurring yeah i i wonder if they have an intuitive understanding of octaves and just don't realize it because like when for example, if men and women are singing together, if they're matching notes, if they're singing well, quote unquote in unison, mm-hmm. most of the time they're actually singing an octave apart. Yeah. No, I had a an experience at one point when I was in college, I invited my boyfriend to join my choir. I was in a chamber choir at the time and like he was a decent singer. So like I was like, yeah, you'll do fine. But every time that he started singing, he would sing an octave down from where he was supposed to be. And the, the choir instead director would be like no that's not it come on she wants to be a bass i was gonna say maybe he just wanted to prove how manly he was with his deep deep voice (laughs) on this test i did find the 64th notes extremely difficult to distinguish they sounded basically the exact same to me yeah they're they're extremely i i felt like i was guessing each time but i guessed right every time so i feel like at some (laughs) level i i heard the difference yeah that that reminds me of like my experience with duolingo where it'll be like, you know, like, what does this mean? I'll be like, I don't fucking know. And I, maybe it's this one. But then I like clearly guessing above chance. Right. <laughs> right, right. There's a, 
there's a Russian speaker somewhere in your brain yeah. that is just like banging on the inside of your skull. <laughs> like, the, like when you're watching a horror movie and you're like, don't go into that room. There's somebody in the back of my head just heckling <laughs> me. All right. I'm going to call it. That's, uh, that's all the time we have here for Topic Lords. All right. Uh, Elena, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Um, Discord, mostly. Uh, I technically exist on Twitter if you want to see my, uh, my eggplant emoji poll. Okay, so just search Twitter for eggplant <laughs> emoji poll. I'll put a link. <laughs> uh, and Tyreek, uh, if this is something that you want, we're going to pull on you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at 4Bit Friday, all spelled out, no numbers involved, on Twitter. And I also do dev streams twice a week, just so you know. Actually, I stream more than twice a week. I stream like four times a week, but only two of those times are, well, no, three of them are dev streams, and then one of them is fun stuff. Sounds like fun stuff. Thanks so much for being on, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, hey, indeed. That what she said. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.